You know, I often think I'm 46 now, and I look back to like when I was 20, in my 20s, early 20s, 19 maybe, and I think, how did I survive? How did I get from one place to the other? You know, now if I want to go anywhere, I punch it into my phone or the GPS on my car, and I'll think back in, and I wasn't a bright person at uh, age 20. I mean, I was pretty, uh, pretty slow. And so to, to imagine 20-year-old Kevin driving anywhere, like as I think back about it, I was just like, how did I even get there? How did I know where these places were? And, and technology is kind of crazy like that. We kind of learn to depend on it. I, I depend on my GPS. I don't know anyone's phone numbers anymore. I, I don't remember them. They're just plugged into my phone and I just call YouTube's another one of those things that, uh, that I use all the time. If I need to know how to fix anything in the house, I, I go to YouTube. You know, if the dishwasher's not working, YouTube. I want to figure out how to, uh, how to do a certain piece of trim at my house, YouTube. Want to figure out how to make a recipe, YouTube. YouTube is like my go-to for how-to. And so when I think about like my dad, I think he didn't have YouTube, but he seemed like he knew how to do everything. Like how did he know how to do all these things without having these videos to go to and watch? We're in this series called Luke's Good News. And in it, in this series, our main objective is to learn from Jesus to live like Jesus. And so we've set out to learn from Jesus through reading his word, how to live like him. And so, uh, so today, sometimes, you know, as we're reading through that, sometimes that can be tough. We've encouraged everybody to read through the book of Luke together. And, uh, and so you may be reading through a certain section or a passage and, and maybe you found yourself, you know, you're like, what is it that I'm supposed to be learning from Jesus here in this passage? It's not always crystal clear. But today, in the section of scripture that we're going to be looking at, Luke chapter 11, it is clear. Because Jesus' disciples come right out, and they come to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, we want to know how to pray like you pray. They didn't go to YouTube to Google it, or they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't go online. They said, Jesus, you're the source. We want to know how to pray the way that you pray. Now, I want to thank you so much for being here today. My name is Kevin. I'm the campus pastor here at Coleraine, and uh, we are glad that you are with us today. If you're joining us online, thank you so much for being here. We're, we're glad that you're tuning in. So today, we're going to be in Luke chapter 11. And if you've got your Bible or you've got it up on a Bible app, you can turn to Luke 11. We're going to spend most of our morning there. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to get one for you. We've got them at the hub. They're available. And in this section of Luke that we're looking at today, we see the followers of Jesus, like I had mentioned before, asking for instructions on how to pray. They were attempting to learn from Jesus to live like Jesus. And so today, our goal is that we want to hear what Jesus has to say. We want to uh, take a look at his words and we want to learn to pray the way that Jesus prayed. 
You know, when we spend time talking to God, how, how should we do that? How should we approach that? What priorities should be in place? And so today, in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13, we'll see Jesus talking about how we should pray. And so our big idea today is this. What we're going to try to really get to uh, is this. Ask God for what you need. You know, we pray for all kinds of stuff um, and, uh, and some of us, uh, we pray all the time. We pray for, uh, sometimes we pray for our jobs. Sometimes we pray for our kids. You might be praying that, uh, that you can, uh, upgrade your house, or you might be praying about your car that's about to break down. You might be praying for a test that you didn't study for, or, um, you know, you just, all kinds of things. Maybe you're praying for some more serious things. You're praying for your kids, praying for your marriage. Maybe you're praying for somebody who's sick or who's in the hospital, who's really struggling. You know, we we pray for so many different things. But I'll be honest, there's some times when my personal prayers, if I go back and really kind of look at them, it can be kind of selfish. It can kind of be one-sided. I can get into this trap of just praying for things that are my things. And one of the things we're going to see is Jesus kind of really lays out a, a roadmap for how we should pray. But see, it's really not about us. And, uh, and so we're, we're going to be taking a look at that, acknowledging that, uh, that there's something much, much bigger at play when we go to God in prayer. And so today, as we're studying prayer and kind of looking at Luke chapter 11, what we find is that we want to bring all of our needs to God, and that he's a good father that wants to hear from his children, and he wants to hear from us what it is that we need. So in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, Jesus is praying And after he's done praying, his disciples had been witnessing this prayer. And they say to him, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And there's a couple things that are going on here. Number one, can you imagine being around Jesus and that his prayer is so powerful, it's so distinct, it's so different, that when he is done praying, your first thought is, Lord, teach me to pray like that. Now, I don't know if it was the words he said or how he said them that made it so distinct. I don't know if it was the result of if his disciples just constantly saw Jesus going and praying to God and they said, well, everything that Jesus asked for seems to be happening. And I want to learn to pray like that. I don't know if it was just the way that he spoke but Jesus' disciples, his followers, they, they paid attention. And when Jesus had finished praying, they said, we want you to teach us to pray like that. And so we, as followers of Jesus, should want to learn to pray like that as well. There's another thing that's going on here. John the Baptist, we had talked about him earlier in this series He's connected to Jesus. He came before Jesus. He's a relative of Jesus. He was set apart to kind of prepare the way for Jesus. And so he was out in the wilderness and he was preaching this message of repentance. 
He's the person who baptized Jesus, setting him apart and launching him into his ministry. John the Baptist had taught his disciples how to pray. And so Jesus' disciples were like, we want our own distinctive way of praying as well. You know, John had a, had a different approach to things. And so John's prayers were distinctive in his, his group as they were praying. They would have, they would have seemed countercultural for the time. And so Jesus' disciples were like, hey, we, we want to have our own distinct way of praying as well. We want to be set apart from other people. Jesus, teach us to pray the way that you pray. So starting in verse 2, chapter 11, Jesus responds to them. Starting in verse 2, he says this. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. We're going to kind of break this down a little bit. First thing that Jesus says is that he addresses God as Father. Now, for you and me, that seems pretty normal. Maybe that's the way that you pray. Maybe you say, Dear Lord. But Jesus is the first person that we have recorded addressing God as Father in a prayer. See, God was Jesus' father, but not only does Jesus pray to God the Father, but he instructs his followers to approach, G to approach God in the very same way, calling him Father. See, it's about a relationship. Jesus knows that God, the creator, is a good father and that he wants to give his children good gifts. And so he approaches him in this relationship. See, it cements our identity as children of God, knowing that we're going in this intimate relationship with God our Father. And so we talked about being distinct. Well, this would have for sure been distinct. No one else was addressing God in this way. Second thing he says, he says, hallowed be your name. So he begins by addressing God as father, but don't get the idea that this is any way downplaying the power of God. Because quickly he says, hallowed be your name or holy be your name. The best way that I can describe this word that Jesus is using is sacred. Now, hallowed and holy and sacred, those are all pretty church words, right? We, we don't necessarily use them a, a ton out in normal, everyday life. But, but here's what Jesus is saying. He says, God, you're set apart. You're a name that is above every other name. And while I can come to you in this intimate way, calling you Father, do not misunderstand that God is in control, that God's name is holy, that God is above all. And so he says, hallowed be your name, the almighty living God, the creator of the universe. He says, your kingdom come. 
Jesus asks for God's kingdom to come. And as we study Luke's good news, a major theme throughout all the gospels is this idea of God's kingdom. A new kingdom was ushered in through the coming of Jesus. And in it, God's priorities are lived out here on earth. All who are followers of Jesus, who have claimed Jesus, are living in this kingdom of God. And so when we pray, we're praying for God's kingdom to move forward. See, here's the thing. It's really easy sometimes to get locked into our own personal agendas, to our own personal kingdoms. We want our wants, we want our desires, we want our needs. And this prayer is about God's will, not our own. That God's kingdom would be ushered in. Where do you struggle with this? How does this become a obstacle for you? Do your priorities ever butt heads with God's in your life? Ever struggle with balance, feeling like that sometimes maybe your priorities are out of alignment? How can we pray bold prayers that ask for God's kingdom to come into our life? Look, this isn't about measuring the amount of time that we spend here in this church building. It's about choosing to follow God and make his priorities our priorities. It's about letting God's kingdom reign in your life so that God's values and priorities become our values and priorities. Father, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, right? Next thing he asks for in this prayer, he says, give us each day our daily bread. And you can see in this prayer that God, that Jesus gives this this model on how he's teaching his disciples how to pray, how simple it is. He says, give us each day our daily bread. The widespread understanding here is that Jesus is asking God for what he truly needs each day. That we would be satisfied in only having the bare essentials. We're not asking for more. We're not asking for abundance. We're asking for what it is that we need to survive today. Very much like If you know anything about the Old Testament, the people of Israel spent some time wandering through the wilderness and and in their time there, God provided for them food. It was called manna. And every day they would go and they would gather the manna that they needed for the day. And the instructions was from God was that you weren't to take any extra. You were only going to take what you needed. But like anything... When there's an abundance and there's just this food everywhere, there's some people that would, that would get fixated on the idea, well, maybe if I just had a little bit extra, you know, maybe it doesn't come tomorrow. Maybe God forgets and so I should have some extra stored up. But what would happen is anything that was extra would rot immediately. And the lesson was being learned for the people of Israel that God is providing. 
to trust that God has what you need to get through today, today. And so this prayer that Jesus has, give us each day our daily bread. It's a prayer of reliance. God, I need from you. But what I really need is just to get through today. And as we seek for God's kingdom and for God's priorities, we're looking for God to give us what is necessary. And it really does change the way that we frame our prayers. I mean, think about that. What do you really need to survive the day? You know, it's a hard question because most of us have just gone so comfortable with more. We've gotten so comfortable with uh, abundance that we can't really fathom what it is to really just have what we need to survive. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you've got to go somewhere else. Sometimes you've got to put your self in somebody else's shoes. Sometimes you've got you to walk along somebody who's got less for you to really, truly realize how blessed any one of us are. But as Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, he's teaching them to pray for what it is that they need. Next thing he asks them for, he says, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray for forgiveness, acknowledging that while we're doing so, we're also in this constant state of forgiving others. We should note that we're not, we're not praying for salvation here. See, we've been saved by grace through the blood of Jesus. But we're in this constant state of renewal where we are acknowledging our shortcomings and confessing to God our sins, seeking forgiveness seeking atonement, but also knowing that we're living in this relationship where our ability to be forgiven is directly connected to our ability to forgive others. I love how Jesus says it in here because he says it almost like as a side. He says, for we are also constantly forgiving other people. You know, it's not a question it's not even a lesson that he's teaching. It's just a, this is what happens. We're seeking forgiveness for God, from God and we're constantly forgiving others. But we can't go to God and seek forgiveness and willfully be choosing not to forgive others in our lives. And lastly, he says, lead us not into temptation. And as you read this, you should understand that we are not asking God to protect us by not dragging us into temptation. It's not God that leads us into temptation. It is a direct protection from falling into temptation. Here, Jesus instructs his followers to ask God to protect them from the temptations that life brings. 
This is so that we don't find ourselves going down the wrong path or chasing after the wrong kingdoms. That God would protect us from the temptations that life brings. In this prayer, Jesus is modeling this idea that we're going to ask God for what you need. And here's the tricky thing about our big idea today. Because we have to determine, we have to figure out what is it that we truly need. We say Jesus, uh, we see Jesus lay out this model prayer for us, asking God and identifying the needs that his disciples had. What we need is God elevated in our life. What we need is God's kingdom to reign in our life. What we need is for God to provide for us each and every day. What we need is forgiveness and what we need is to be forgiving others. What we need is protection from temptation. And so this passage of scripture, it ends with Jesus explaining to his idea, to his disciples, the idea of why God wants to provide for us in the first place. And so in Luke chapter 11, it continues on Jesus's teaching about prayer. And there's a parable in there right after the prayer. And then we want to pick up here in verse nine. Jesus speaking to his disciples says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you for everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds and the one who knocks and the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He says, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you, he says. He says, who would give their child a snake. I don't know if we've got anybody in here that ever gave your kid a snake, but the Bible's uh, suggesting that's not a good idea, okay? Just throwing that out there. But he says, he says, look, he says, you're evil. We're all, we're all messed up humans, he says. And, and we, we know how to give good gifts to our kids. He says, how much more Will your heavenly father do so? He says he knows what you need. He just wants you to come and ask him for it. Look, God doesn't need convinced that you're hurting. He doesn't need convinced that somehow you deserve the grace that he is pouring out on you. He just wants you to come before him and ask. You've always got his undivided attention. He is constantly seeking for us to come to him. Remember at the beginning of this prayer, Jesus says, this is your father. Your father loves you. 
Your father wants to be able to provide for you. And one of the things that we've got to try to wrestle with, one of the things we got to try to figure out is what is it exactly that we're asking for? Right? Constantly just evaluating what is it that God is truly asking or wanting to give us? What, what is it truly that we should be seeking out from God to be given? Because some of us, we get frustrated. We pray for different things. And you're like, you know what, Kevin? I've done that. I've asked God for what I need, and he hasn't given it to me. I've got all these unanswered prayer. I want, to, uh, I want you to see something that's, in the, uh, that's at the end of this prayer. He says, look, your father loves you and he wants to give you good gifts. He says, you ask him and he's going to provide for you. In verse 13, he says this, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? See, we miss these parts sometimes. Jesus doesn't say, go to your father and ask him and whatever you ask him, he's going to give you. He says, go to your father and ask him and he will give you the Holy Spirit. Now that's a turn. That's not necessarily what you were asking for. It's not necessarily what you thought you needed, but that's the promise that God has for you. Why? Why the Holy Spirit? I'm praying for food. I'm praying for my marriage. I'm praying for all these different things. I'm praying to survive tomorrow. Oh, why would God turn around and give me the Holy Spirit? Because he's your comforter. Because he's the presence of Jesus in your life each and every day. Because when you can't articulate what it is that you truly need, he's what you need. God knows. What you really need in your life is a full measure of the Holy Spirit poured into you. And no matter what you're asking for, no matter what you're seeking, God's presence is what you truly need. The Holy Spirit comes to us. It's a promise that we have when we surrender our life to Jesus. Next Sunday, we're going to have celebrating baptisms in both of our services. And if you've never accepted Jesus, if you've never had the Holy Spirit poured into your life, man, we would love to talk to you about what this relationship is all about. The ability to stand before God and say, Father, because we are truly a child of God. And I'd love to talk to you about what being a follower of Jesus is all about. You can come up and find me or you can go to our website, simply thewcc.com slash welcome. There you can sign up for a baptism conversation. You can figure out some next steps. Ask God for what you need. But I just want to warn you. Sometimes we've got this list of all these things that we think that we need in life and what we truly need is the presence of God, the Holy Spirit living in our life. That's what Jesus promises to give to you.
And so I want to challenge you today. My challenge is this, is that we begin to pray the way that Jesus prayed. Acknowledging that God is our Father, but he's also holy. He's set apart. He's the creator of the universe. We're asking for his kingdom to come right here in Cincinnati. We're asking for his will to be done right here in Cincinnati. Not mine and not yours, but the will of God lived out. That that's the bold prayer that we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to provide us for our needs. And not over and above, but just what we need to get through the day. And we're going to pray for forgiveness. Because church, I know I need it. And I need the strength and the courage to forgive those that, that hurt me. And I'm going to ask for protection from temptation. Jesus gives us a model prayer to go before a good father who promises to give us good things. And we can follow that model. God is good. And he wants good for you. And we want to pray and ask for our good father to give us what it is that we need. And at the end of the day, it may not be the list of things that have given you stress. It may just be the gift of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in your life. Will you pray that with me? Will you be bold in asking God to provide you with what you need? his presence in your life. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much. Thank you so much for Jesus, God. I thank you so much for the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the ability to call you Father, to be able to cry out to you, God. Thank you so much for the example that Jesus sets, for the prayer that he teaches us to pray, God. We pray that we might learn from Jesus to live like him each and every day. But God, we're hurting and we're lost sometimes and we need you. God, I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and we would have the peace that only you can provide. Again, thank you for your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.